Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of Brownie Points. I'm Surprise! <laughs> I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast for a guy with a film degree. And a guy who just gave you a heart attack. Talk to you about movies. Like I said in this bonus episode, we have finally found the time to go watch Christopher Nolan's latest epic film, Tenet. Our thoughts coming up on this episode of Brownie Points. Well, hello, everybody. Bet you didn't think this was coming this week, unless you followed us on social media. But, <laughs> but yeah, surprise, guys. We went and saw Tenant. Uh, based on when we were uh, were taping there were no this. Tents. I was very sad. Hmm? What? Wait, why were you sad? There were no tents. Oh. <laughs> uh, but this yeah, was we. A camping movie. <laughs> Yeah, we're taping this on uh, the 14th, and we saw this, uh, what day was Saturday? Uh, the 10th. No, we saw it Friday. We saw it. We saw it. Oh, yeah, it was Friday. Friday yeah, Friday the, the 9th. 9th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, so saw, it has... we saw it Friday the 9th because when Dan, Dan announced last week that he moved, and where Dan lives now is substantially closer to where I'm at, so it's easier for us to get together, and we were able to hang out. We're like, hey, what if we just went and saw Tenet? And Dan was like, I'm totally down for that. Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't It wasn't quite pre-planned like that. Like, I get to I get to your house, and we're just hanging out, and uh, you're showing me your awesome new TV, by the way. And I'm just like, all right, well, do we want to watch something? Or And then you're, you just straight up are like, uh... There's a tenant showing at 3.30, and I'm just like... <laughs> There's a tenant showing at 3.30, and it's currently 2.15. Do you want to go to it? To which I replied, uh, hell yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it just kind of happened uh, organically like that. We were already going to go just... And, hmm. and before people get uppity, I had the afternoon off from work. Yes, yes, and I do not have to work. Long story, I had Friday off. So, well, Friday's usually my day off anyway, so <laughs> that was kind of pointless, but <laughs> but anyway, yeah. yeah, anyway, guys, we finally ended up figuring out a time to see it together. Uh, we both went to the AMC in Indianapolis. We saw it in a Dolby room. We were literally the only two people in the theater, so <laughs> if that doesn't speak to the state of movie theaters right now. It was, a, it was a pretty interesting movie uh, with our audience, given the fact that we were the audience. Yeah, and somehow there was still a baby crying during it, and... <laughs> <laughs> and some stupid shake weight bottle person came in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, guys, um, we have decided to get here on the mics and record this separately from... Uh, the other reviews that we promised you this week because it was just kind of as you could tell a little spur of the moment uh we didn't make a formal announcement last week so uh we posted on social media this would be coming eventually but we didn't put a date on it deliberately so 
yeah, when you hear this is when you're going to be we, hearing this. We so. wanted to hang out for one time and not be doing a ton of stuff for the show. So Dan's like, well, we could record a review. And I was like, no, let's just go home and enjoy our lives. And he was like, okay. Yeah, I thought about it, but I, yeah, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we, uh, what, we watched, we watched like four episodes of that cooking show with your wife and with drinks like yeah and then and then we watched uh eddie's million dollar bake-off yeah <laughs> but not all but not our eddie's million dollar cook-off but not all of it on disney plus for those of you that don't remember this movie is about some kid that's a really is really good at sports but he also has a secret passion for something else and that something else is considered girly uh it's high school musical except it's about cooking yeah not a musical <laughs> uh but yeah, anyway, guys, here we are, our thoughts on Tenant. As always, I'll give you a brief uh, little summation of who made this movie, if you didn't already know. it is Cinema Jesus! <laughs> it is brought to us by the man who promised to save the movie theater this year, Christopher Nolan, the director of the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Interstellar, Dunkirk, a lot, a lot of great movies. He was also the sole writer of this movie. The stars of this include Denzel Washington's son, David, or John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, and Kenneth Branagh. And a lot of the usual suspects that work with Christopher Nolan came in on this. Hoyt uh, von Hoytema was the cinematographer. Uh, actually, Jennifer Lame never edited a movie before but was an editorial assistant on his other films and i just want to throw this out here because it's the film nerd in me ludwig gronson or gronison however you pronounce his name he did the score for this movie instead of hans zimmer because hans zimmer was too busy doing the score for dune so this is one of christopher nolan's only films to not be scored by hans zimmer which is the is the score for dune you know like the Gur song where uh zim is trapped in the elevator yeah we just watched the trailer like three weeks ago you don't remember that <laughs> you know it's starting to ring a bell <laughs> yes anyway uh so tenet uh this for my hot take, I can do it pretty quick since I already spit. Half- Actually, hang on a minute. There is an interesting theater story. Mm, what? What? The guy that gave us popcorn and hot dogs? There was like nobody in the theater. <laughs> Remember, we had to go back because my wallet fell out of my pocket. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah we get right. all the way home, walk in, and I and I uh, start taking stuff out of my pockets, and I was like, uh, I can't find my wallet. <laughs> Yeah, but at least you didn't. At least you didn't nearly car, cause a car accident. Like at least we were actually in your home when yeah. <laughs> you realized you lost your wallet. Yeah, it's really bad when you forget something and then you almost cause a car wreck, isn't it, Dan? Yes, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So anyway, hot takes. Uh, like I was saying, I've already seen Tenet. I saw it back in Labor Day in September. Uh, just about exactly a month ago, actually. Uh. So, um. I can keep this pretty quick. A second time around with this movie, it's a little easier to follow. It's still a little confusing to watch. Uh, it's not the easiest story to follow, even though when it's all said and done, like for us, this actually is relatively easy to recap. Just its presentation is in the most hands-off 
least viewer-friendly way possible to tell this story. That's the best way I can say that without spoilers. Um, <laughs> um, we saw this in the Dolby room, or in a Dolby room this time instead of IMAX, uh, which I can, I'll just go ahead and say, if you're going to watch this movie, like, yeah, it was shot in IMAX, so, like, if you can, like, for the visuals, it's cool. Like, it's probably, you'll probably take more away from it, but the sound is significantly better in Dolby. It is. Just free plug for Dolby uh, Atmos it's Sound. It's still pretty bad. It's significantly better. Like, I remember... It's pretty bad because there is a scene where they're explaining a plan to something, and I just went, God damn it, what? Yeah. I couldn't I, understand anything. Well, it was funny when you, like, when it was over, you were like, yeah, I know what you were talking about with the sound mix now. The first thing I said was that I actually understood about half of the movie that I didn't the first time around because the sound was just not Dolby Atmos in the, in the IMAX. And yeah, Dolby Atmos made this movie significantly more clear. It's still not perfect. Like this movie went from like 30% audible to like 50% audible, but it's technically an improvement. So kudos to that, I guess. But, (laughs) um, but no, uh, honestly, it's, it's still not my favorite Christopher Nolan film, but the the acting is phenomenal. The 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 visuals are amazing. Ludwig's score is up there as my favorite score for a new release that we've seen this year. Like I I hope Ludwig gets an Oscar nomination for the score for this. I've I've listened to it off and on since I saw this on Labor Day because uh, I've subscribed to Apple Music. I just when I don't listen to another podcast, I I put that on. I just I'm in love with the soundtrack. Uh, but yeah, just it's overall a pretty good movie. It's just. It's a little, I think it's a little too complicated for its own good. I think Christopher Nolan kind of tried a little too hard to make this, like, because, it again, we'll recap it now. It's a pretty straightforward story to follow. It's just presented in a way that, like, tries to, like, have so many reveals. It kind of works against itself. I mean, uh, I mean that's kind of my hot take on it, really. Uh, on our rating scale, a contender for best film of the year is a movie so good you get a full pan of brownies with icing and sprinkles and all the fixings on it. Pretty good overall movie is a full pan of brownies. A so-so whatever 50-50 is a half pan of brownies. A pretty bad movie overall is a single brownie and a contender for worst of the year is a movie so bad you get a cookie full of raisins. I'm a, I'm, I'm a full pan. I, I'm apprehensive to give it sprinkles, even though there are elements of it that are sprinkle worthy for sure. But just I that's not fair to give this movie sprinkles when I do like I keep saying have just enough reservations to keep, to withhold sprinkles so solid full pan for me it's still it's still absolutely worth watching if one your state's open and two you feel safe so to quote myself from last week um I have never been more entertained by a movie that I had no idea what the hell was happening um, <laughs> so I am. I don't know if I would say a Nolan fanboy, but I'm a pretty big fan of his. Like I've not seen every film of his. I don't think every single film of his is like the greatest work of art ever. I are you acknowledge... a, on? Are you a are you a fan of the Dark Knight Rises? I feel like we've had this debate before. Where like I when I saw Rises the second time, I really didn't like it near as much as I did the first time. 
Like, so I remember at some point calling that my favorite movie of all time, and I've since completely changed. It's not one of my favorite movies of all time. That trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies of all time. Well, yeah, the first two, I, are, the first two are amazing. The third one, uh. <laughs> I like it. The third one is somewhere between a full pan and a half pan for me. Um, somewhere in between. Um, but I. I don't think it's a perfect movie. Like I, I used to, I've watched it pretty recently and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty messed up. Um, yeah. But anyway, I just, I just wanted to hear your take on that. Like, since you brought up his resume. <laughs> um, but I, I, I like his movies for the most part. I, I pretty much every single one of them, I can find, find something I really enjoy in it. Um, but I can't give a huge pass to this one just because, the story is pretty easy, like you said, but he overly complicates it. But that's what Nolan does. But at the same time, I can't understand half of what's said in this movie. And I can't give a free pass on that. Um, also, that is fair. I think, that is, that is, that's, I can't contend that. That is very fair. <laughs> also, the best way I know how to describe this movie to someone is this movie is Christopher Nolan trying to make himself... <laughs> It, that's all that's really what it is it's just him trying to be like oh my god it's so amazing but you could also um, call it a blank paycheck movie where warner brothers just gave him a check and said do whatever you want and then they turned away yeah and then he jerked himself off um <laughs> i i don't know if i'm gonna like clamor to see this one again i put this one up there with dunkirk um and look, I'm not saying Dunkirk is bad, like is one of his worst movies. Oddly enough, it's a World War II movie that I really don't care about that much compared to other ones. Blasphemy, um, sir. Blasphemy. <laughs> but what, just what I'm getting at is I think I think Dunkirk is a really great movie, but I'm not clamoring to see it again. I put this in the same category. I think it's a really good movie. I'm not really dying to see this again. And I'm and frankly, I'm glad we saw this after we saw unhinged because if i would have saw this as like our triumphant return to the theaters i would have been like um 2020 is just going to be terrible isn't it but i'm glad that we saw unhinged because that movie is so stupid it's not brilliant but it's entertaining i thought i genuinely thought when you started that sentence oh, you were gonna by the say way, I, I don't know if i said it oh. i don't know if i said it i give it yeah. a half pan Ugh, man I, I genuinely thought when you were starting that statement was, I'm glad we saw this insta- instead of the war with Grandpa. <laughs> I am glad we saw this instead of the war with Grandpa. That trailer looked terrible. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but no, that's... I can get where you're coming from with the half pan. It's... Especially the audio, because, I mean, you are if not more stringent on audio than I am. And, yeah, it is... I mean, we might as well just start with that, like, for the spoiler section, for anybody that still hasn't seen so this movie. What was, what was your rating again? Uh, I'm a solid full pan. I was very close to Sprinkles, but I just, I nah. Here's the thing. I can't fault someone for giving it a full pan. I can fault someone for giving it a half pan, or, I'm sorry, a full pan with Sprinkles, but I can't fault someone for giving it a full pan. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely not Sprinkle-worthy, like, because it's actually, like, not super impressive- in terms of like what the story actually is and yeah that audio i don't he did this with interstellar too like i, I remember, yeah, I remember in, that with interstellar it, like there's several instances where it's like dude i get it you don't like adr but it was invented for a reason well no it's not even that it's not the it's not just the adr um it's the fact that he deliberately like doesn't prioritize the the dialogue to be 
the most clear thing. He wants the ambience to be the drive as much of driving force as the visuals. Like it clearly his priorities are uh the the visual effects have to be practical. Everybody's got to be dressed up super duper nice. The Hans Zimmer score has got to be super bass and super synthy and then uh the dialogue is last. Like the dialogue is going to be this quiet and then like it, you, it, he does not care about the dialogue. He wants you to watch the story more than listen to the story, which I can understand in principle, like, show, don't tell. But he kind of takes that a little too literally, like, especially with how much exposition is yeah. actually in the background of this movie. Like, there's a lot of talking and walking in this movie. There's a lot of just, like, stuff in the background that, like, yeah, I get it. You're establishing the background of where they're at, but dude, I don't need to hear the exhaust of a Volvo that's going by when they're coming up with an elaborate plan on we're going to steal an airplane and use it to break into this art vault that is housing the super secret like formula for this uh radioactive weapon. Like I I really don't need that. Dude, I think he I think part of it like I mean there's evidence that he does this in all of his movies, but I think he kind of leaned into it, especially for this one, because trying to you kind of paint yourself into a quarter when the the uh, uh, the main it's a it's a Alfred Hitchcock term that he came up with, like the the main it's a literal object that is the driving force of the conflict of the story. I forgot what the term is, but like it's all revolving around this one object. It's not Chekhov's gun. MacGuffin. I'll, I'll look it up later, but so everything is revolving around trying to find the pieces of the algorithm and the algorithm is powered somewhat by this nuclear radiation that literally changes objects at a molecular level to the point where it is literally bending reality in time space and objects are coming backwards from time and it's I, I mean, I, t- I told you, like, I whispered to you while we were watching the movie because I was laughing so hard at the line when uh, uh, John gets to the uh, when John gets to his first station after he gets recruited by Tennant, the the woman he's speaking to that shows him the, the bullets literally says, don't think, just feel it. That's like <laughs> that's also that's also a reason that I docked the movie a little bit is you have a character saying, don't overthink it. Just shut up and have fun. Like. Chris, yeah, he, he Chris, writes that you, into the movie. <laughs> like, here's the thing. If it's someone like the director of Hinge being like, dude, just, okay, you know what this movie is. I'm fine with that. Chris Nolan, I've come to expect some of the best things in cinema out of you. You shouldn't have a character tell me. Just, it's stupid fun, okay? Like, Well, this is a guy who used Interstellar to, to try and bring to life on screen the practicality of the theory of relativity and black holes. Like, <laughs> like that movie was not that easy to follow. And it had like these big ambitious ideas. It just didn't work either. It, Cause Aristotle is also not a great movie, but <laughs> yeah, but solid middle, solid middle to that movie. Not yeah. so good on the end or the beginning. <laughs> or whenever you're actually supposed to get sad with any of the characters, but, um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but here in this movie, it's got, like, this big grand idea, but when you boil it down, like, what is the actual plot of this movie? 
it's just another big heist movie. Like, and that's his bread and butter. Like, what's the most consistent genre or plot device that it's he likes to his, use? His it's, most it's consistent heist. thing. It his most consistent thing in his movies is it's a, it's got a big heist element tied in with manipulation of time. Yeah, exactly. Christopher Nolan is obsessed with heists and theorizing about time in whatever which way. Like Dunkirk was three intercutting stories that all took place uh in like 6 hours in the air and then like uh a week on the ground and uh or no, like 3 weeks on the ground and then like 5 days on a boat. So like they were all they all got to the same point, but you had to keep track of like okay, the boat is here, the plane's here, the soldiers on the ground are here. And then, I mean, uh, not to go through his entire resume, but yeah, in this movie, like, it's hard to imagine where he wants to go next because, like, this is literally like, uh, what what did they call it? It it wasn't bending time, but it was like uh, the fact that in the present, quote unquote, you could be going forwards in time, or you could jump into a machine and now go backwards in time, and like all the rules about like. Fire actually gives you frostbite, and uh, ox- when you breathe, if you don't have an oxygen mask, you're actually breathing in carbon dioxide. Like that was really funny because they kept like at that point they had a bunch of people with masks on. At that point, I leaned over to Dan and I went, "Do they explain the mask thing?" And he goes, "Yeah, give it like five minutes." Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering like at that point how lost you were gonna get because that was right after uh, Kenneth Branagh who. Who, by the way, is amazing in this movie. I know he's a little over the top with his accent, but I kind of loved his character at the same time because <laughs> he was fairly menacing. To make somebody, yeah, he's pretty menacing, dude. To make someone menacing with that ridiculous an accent is only something that like an actor of Kenneth Branagh's caliber could get away with, and he he mastered it. He was so good. But that was like when he um he did the reverse shooting of Elizabeth um when he had him in the in one chamber and everyone else was in the other and uh he had the bullet go through her to like do that extra painful reverse shot like at that point i was just like oh here we go i wonder how lost nick's going to get now like <laughs> i most of the time i didn't really get super lost based on the complexity of the story i got lost on just not hearing the dialogue dude not going to lie the first time i watched this movie like the whole first hour of the movie where it's just straight up like 007 espionage, like going from uh, the the Bangladeshi arms dealer to then going to, or uh, well, it's the CIA operation in uh, Ukraine, and then they have to go to India, and then he goes to whatever country Kenneth Branagh's in. Like, why he went from uh, there to there to there, the connective tissue as to like, why was not adamantly clear as the sequence changed. Like, I I had to tell myself, like, okay, just just go yeah, with it. Yeah, there, there were several instances in this movie where I just went, okay, we're here now. Yeah, like, it was, it was really weird pacing, just like, and I had to keep telling myself, at least the first time, like, this time around, I knew, I knew what to expect, and I kind of understood it a little more clearly, but the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, just, okay, pick up whatever you can in the dialogue, just hopefully it'll make sense in the end. Like I had to keep reassuring myself just like, okay, you're confused right now. The action is coming. Cause you haven't seen that much action yet. Just, just hold out. It's probably going to be worth it. Like I had to coach myself to like, not get angry at this movie. Like, 
Which is not a good sign, Mr. Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you uptick the volume on your goddamn dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, like, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. Was there any specific sequence or thing about the story itself since we were kind of harping on that a little bit? Like, uh, was there anything about the story that, like, really stood out to you, like, once it started to make sense? Like, what did you think, like, especially in the second half, I guess, when like uh the time police ended up coming in and um... i so it, i really liked the fact that the movie worked itself back to not exactly the beginning but kind of the beginning of the movie um i liked the connective tissue of when uh the lady saw a uh, woman dive off of her husband's boat it was her in a different time like in a different timeline after having killed him um, I liked uh, that when Robert Pattinson gets the mask off the one guy, he realizes it's Denzel Washington's son, um, which we have to talk about that in a minute because that was something that was really stuck with me. Um, okay. But that he sees that's him and he just lets him do whatever. Um, I, I really liked, you know, the, to quote George Lucas, it's like poetry, it rhymes, it comes back to the beginning. <laughs> Faster, more intense. Um, oh, what was it? What was it that Robert Pattinson said? The um, whenever it was, uh, uh, reality is what it is. It's already happened. It's yeah, like, I. Oh my god, I love that line. Like especially at the very end, like how you're talking about the end when it turned out that uh, uh, he'd known him for years, and his final mission. Like, did you get that he was going to die? Like he left him to go die. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Just wanted to make sure you picked up on that. Like, that was his last goodbye. And just how funny that is that, like, his last mission was making sure that John David Washington understood that he is now leading the cause of, like, Tenet and these time police. Like, <laughs> you're uh, John Connor. Got it? Okay, I'm going to go die now. Oh, man. Just the, this is the end of mine. This is just the beginning of yours. I'll see you later. And it's just like, well, yeah, he is going to see him later. Like, he's... Uh, We're going to have tea and crumpets. It's a bit of a whipple, eh? Dude, can we can we also just commend real quick or remind listeners, since we've already Robert committed Pattinson a few times... Robert Pattinson does not suck ass get off his case with Batman. He's a great actor. He does very good in this movie. Yeah, Twilight jokes are other over... Than, a- other than there's at one point in this movie where they're walking through an airport, and I leaned over to Dan, and I was like, Jesus Christ, he needs to iron his shirt. <laughs> Twilight jokes are 10 years old. Go watch Good Time. Good, Go watch this. Go watch virtually any movie that he's made since Twilight. Uh, the Lighthouse from last year. That's another one. He's a phenomenal actor, and he is fantastic in his supporting role in this. So get off his back. Um, speaking of praising actors, uh, John David Washington. I remember at some point in this movie leaning over to you and just going, my God, it shows that he's Denzel's son, like speech patterns, mannerisms, inflections on words. Oh yeah. Um, He's, he's, he's definitely a Washington. He sounds exactly like a young version of his dad. Like, yeah. (laughs) And Christopher Nolan, if you're listening to this, since you love time manipulation movies, why don't you have a movie where Denzel Washington and John David Washington play father and son and John David Washington is playing a young version of his father and they have to interact with each other? Why don't you do that? Because I would love to see that because that's oh, basically dude. having two Denzel Washingtons in a movie. John and John and David in the same movie would be awesome. Yeah. Have I told you about the first time that like I saw 
John David, and um, I think this really technically was his breakout role, at least in television, if you want to consider this his breakout film role. What was it? <clears throat> it was uh, this HBO comedy that just ended last year uh, with The Rock uh, Ballers. Oh, he was in that? Yeah, he was um he was one of the main stars. Um The Rock represented him and he was uh he was playing this kind of older wide receiver, like he was like 30 or 31 and thought thinking about retirement but then decided against it and he went with the Patriots for one last shot at the ring and like that's how this series starts with him and then a whole bunch of other stuff happens, but but yeah, no, he was he was a star of the HBO show Ballers, and I remember the show was still on when this first trailer dropped, and I saw him on screen, and I'm like, really? The guy from Ballers? Okay, interesting. Because like, really, all Ballers is is just Entourage, but for football junkies. Entourage. Like, <laughs> it was really a terrible I've never seen sh- an episode of Entourage. It was, it was a terrible show, but it was such a guilty pleasure for me. I... I'm equally proud and embarrassed that I watched every episode of that show. <laughs> but yeah, so, that's that's just where he came from, and I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. Like, <laughs> so, um, given that John David Washington's great, the one guy, the other guy's great. Robert Pattinson uh, that plays the villain. Robert Pattinson is great in this. Oh, and oh, you said the, the villain. I'm sorry, Kenneth Branagh. The lead female actor actress is great. Can we talk about one of the most pointless actor scenes in the movie? Ooh, I'm interested what scene you're talking about. I, I don't know directly which one you're trying to reference. And I love this actor. I'm always happy when he shows up in a movie, but this really felt like Christopher Nolan went, you're my friend. How about I get you a paycheck? Oh, now Michael I know. Michael Caine? <laughs> yeah, the whole point of Michael Caine Why scene... is he in the movie for five minutes and half the t- and the time that he's in it he's eating the entire time so as hard as it is to understand it, what he's saying because there's intense music playing there's uh nice music being played in the background and the audio is not balanced out very well and all you hear is like the clanging and banging and sounds that happen in a restaurant on top of it's now muffled because he has macaroni and cheese in his mouth really yeah like that was that's why one... did you get michael kane for that it did seem kind of unnecessary to to that have that is... scene because we okay so he gets recruited by um the guy that played Joker in Full Metal Jacket if you didn't know that um huh that's him yeah that's the guy that plays Joker interesting okay yeah i'll pull up his name here in a second but um he gets recruited by Private Joker and then he goes to uh Priya, that was her name, he goes to Priya's place, and then she says, you gotta find Kenneth Branagh, but you gotta talk to this other guy to get to Kenneth Branagh, because I can't tell you directly how to get to Kenneth Branagh, so, like, it kind of just, yeah, I agree with you, like, Michael Caine just kind of felt forced into it as, like, an unnecessary extra step, you know what I mean? Michael Caine feels like he went to Christopher Nolan, he's like, hey, I heard you're making a movie, I need to pay off whatever, and I'm available to do something. Can you help me out? And then, because he doesn't give a bad performance. Michael Caine does not give bad performances. But. Well, it's hard to judge the performance when you're in the movie for literally five minutes. <laughs> but that's my point. With how tiny of a role this is, why the hell did you get Michael Caine? I, I don't know. That's, it's, 
it's kind of annoying. I mean, not okay, not annoying. Annoying is a strong it, word, but it's, it's like it's it's like it's like if Jake from State Farm just showed up in this scene. It's so random at the person they chose to be this character. Yeah. Oh, Matthew Modine. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. Oh wait, no, wait. Is that right? No, actually. Oh, I don't know why I got that in my head. I thought that was I thought that was Joker. Never mind. That's not Matthew Modine. It <laughs> was somebody It was somebody else that worked with Kubrick. Um Yeah, it was definitely someone else that worked with Kubrick. I saw I just saw a uh guy comparing Christopher Nolan to uh Stanley Kubrick and I just conflated it in my head that Matthew Boudine was the guy at the beginning of the movie and now because IMDb sucks I can't find who that guy is because this cast list is way out of order (laughs) (laughs) anyway that that was pointless um (laughs) what's something else interesting that um because I mean you this is your first time watching it like what else kind of stood out to you as something that you want to talk about the action um Uh, Christopher Christopher Nolan is such a fantastic action (laughs) such a freaking amazing action director like the scene where they crash an airplane into that building i just leaned over to you and i was like it's christopher nolan so you know they actually crashed that plane into a building oh my god and then you lean over and you're like and it wasn't miniature they got a real plane into a real building yeah dude that was i love everything about that sequence that was so well staged and then also the um after that happens, like, the fight choreography, like, this was the real first taste of, like, something going forward and backwards in time interacting with each other. Um, what ended up being the two John Washingtons, or let's just say protagonist, because that's technically what his character is. Like, he doesn't have a name. He's called the protagonist. Um, <laughs> so, like, when it ends up the, the two protagonists fighting each other and, like, you see the gun, like bounce in the like bounce up from the ground into the into his hands or like when the the one in the in the breathing suit like falls on the ground i don't know why it just looks goofy and i always laughed at it like both these times i've seen it when he's like just flailing on the ground like (laughs) kind of scooting on the ground getting away from him i just think the arm and leg motion he makes was just really funny did you notice that yeah well it's funny because I remember watching, there's like a certain scene where they have something move backwards. And I was like, this feels like Christopher Nolan went, can I pull off this reverse footage trick? Oh, dude, he told his editor, um, Lauren, or I think that was her name, Lauren. Uh, like I said at the start of this, she's never edited a film before, like as like the head editor. And so why not give her one of the most challenging movies to edit? Oh, Christopher Nolan, or she said in an interview, she, um, she said in an interview that Christopher Nolan, uh, told her when he hired her, this objectively might be the most difficult film to edit in film history. And when, uh, the first hour, I very much believe that. Well, when the first hour of the movie was going by and it was just a heist movie, I was just like, oh, okay, like, kind of oversold it well, that, a little that bit. Well, that bungee, but... I think that, I've thought that bungee thing when they were running up the side of the building, I figured that was in reverse. Oh, I I, I don't know if that was in reverse. I mean, maybe it was, and that, that'd be cool. It kind of, it, I don't know, I would believe Christopher Nolan would find 
some engineer that's like, oh, no, I have a bungee pulley system that will catapult these guys 50 feet in the air. Like, well, just like <laughs> the way they were moving felt very reverse springy. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, maybe it was. Um, but no, anyway, yeah, like once it finally like got to like the action sequences, like the driving the car backwards and then like the big climactic when they're trying to get the uh, the algorithm, when all that was going on, I was like, okay. I take that back. I bet this movie was actually an enormous nightmare to like when they like, <laughs> when they blow up that building frontwards and backwards. Oh my god, my jaw hit the floor. Even that second time watching it, just like the explosion going back into the bottom and then it re explodes on the top. Oh my god, yeah. that was that was incredible. I I would love to see a visual effects breakdown of like how I remember they did just that. trying to wrap my head around the time concept of when that one team shows up. And they just see the other team that's going backwards is already leaving. Oh, dude, yeah. And then it would cut back to, like, it would intercut itself to, like, the different stages, like, of the mission that they would be in. Like, yeah, dude, um, that actually reminds me, um, there, there was a theory. I don't know if this is actually, like, confirmed, confirmed, but, like, um, the n- title of this film, Tenet, uh, again, this is just a theory, like, uh, it was guessed that Tenet was named Tenet because 10 is how long the final mission is that they synced up all their watches to and Tenet is just 10 frontwards and backwards within in the middle. That would make sense. I liked when they were talking about Tenet and he's like, it's the word Tenet, but also you have to do this hand motion. Well, yeah, that's the visualization of like the inner intertwining i'm doing this as i'm explaining this yeah <laughs> that's the intertwining that they're trying to mitigate and like not have space time and reality collapse with things going frontwards and backwards in time colliding with each other i i like that in theory like that as a concept is actually pretty cool i'm not saying it's a bad concept i'm just saying i i love that they were like there's also a hand thing all i can give you and... is a gesture and a word <laughs> All I can give you is a gesture and a word, and it's not jag off. <laughs> it's, it's Doonesbury. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that we didn't see this movie right away, so people have probably heard, like, yeah, the audio mixing is pretty terrible, and yeah, it's a simple story, but it gets overly complex in its explanation, but... Um, Everything people... that I oh. I had heard about this mm-hmm. movie going into it is spot on. Um, it's not his best work, but it's far from his worst. Um, and it, it, it honestly, the way I can sum it up, we talked about it in the car when we were driving back. List uh, I listened to Pat McAfee's uh, Pat McAfee Show 2.0 podcast, um, and he has shout out shout out Pat fellow Hoosier, yeah. Well, no, he's from Pittsburgh, um, but he allegedly... He's Indiana's adopted son. Yeah, he allegedly went swimming in the canal one night. Um, yeah, but al- yeah, allegedly. <laughs> I was actually at the football game uh, two or three seasons ago where he came out dressed as an old man with an old man mask on and made a bunch of field goals pregame. That was actually pretty cool. Oh, um, I remember that going viral. I forgot you were actually yeah. at that game. I was at that game. I remember I was like... Like they, I was like, okay, this is fake. There's no way they'd bring a guy out with a walker or a cane to kick field goals. Um, but uh, he has uh, the best 
quarterback in the league right now, Aaron Rodgers, come on a show every two weeks. And I thought it was every week. I'm sorry, it is every week. I was fully expecting you to refute my statement of him being the best quarterback, but it's so easy to know that he is that I was defending myself against nothing. But um, yeah, no, no contest. Five weeks <laughs> into the season, no, no contest. I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was talking about he's like my down years are most people's career years, and I feel that way about Christopher Nolan. Even his duds are someone's best work they'll ever do. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Like, like we were talking about, um, M night Shyamalan one time and like people say his best movie is signs, which I think is a fair statement, pretty universal statement. I would rather watch Tenet like six more times than watch signs one more time. Like, <laughs> Well, when, when Eminem was ending machine gun Kelly's rap career, um, he had he came out with kill shot and he said my biggest flops are your greatest hits aaron rodgers eminem christopher nolan all in that category of their worst ones ever are someone's career best dude that is christopher nolan's next movie find a script or write a script and use an inexperienced actor with a complete non-actor outside of state farm commercials and make a compelling Oscar-worthy movie with both of them. Or the Denzel Washington and John David Washington movie idea we pitched earlier. No, they're the two villains, and Aaron Rodgers and Machine Gun Kelly are the hero. I will donate money to see hey. that happen. I would love that. Aaron Rodgers just keeps telling him to relax. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers just keeps saying, well, you know... Uh, the situation's getting pretty bad, but at least I saved money by switching to State Farm. <laughs> With that awesome errand rate I got. <laughs> I thought he was a nationwide guy. Isn't that his advertising? No, that's, uh, Peyton Manning. Oh, uh, yeah. Hold on, we're turning into a football podcast now. Um, and I, there was one more thing about Tenet I actually wanted to talk about seriously. Was, uh, what is that? Was the whole arc that Elizabeth Dubecki's character goes through. Like, <laughs> how she's in the abusive relationship with Kenneth, and, like, it's all hinged on this painting. You, you, and... mentioning, you mentioning her name. Do you remember the really bizarre comment I said to you when uh, she was sitting on a bed at one point? Oh, not offhand. I remember a joke that I made that had nothing to do with the movie, but... So, so in case you've never seen this lady, this lady's incredibly tall. Oh, I double-checked, um, and she's only uh, 6'3", actually. She's not 6'5". <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's six three, and they put her in like four inch heels through a lot of this movie. Oh yeah, she towers over. <laughs> she towers over John David multiple times in this movie. <laughs> but there's a scene where she's sitting either on the bed or she's sitting on the deck of a boat, and she's not wearing shoes. I leaned over to Dan and I went, "Dude, look at how big her toe is." Oh yeah, <laughs> you got really, you got really transfixed on that for some reason i was like dude it's as big as my, it's as big as my hand yeah it's <laughs> i don't know why i cared it's just like watching the movie it caught my eye and i was like that's such a big toe yeah i'm not judging you i'm really not i just i just thought it was hilarious I... <laughs> um anyway what to... was your serious point 
I was just how much I loved her arc in this movie. Like it's, it's it was it's a rare thing for Christopher Nolan to, to have a story element that, um, God, this is gonna sound terrible, but really involves. Uh, he, he doesn't really cast mo- movies with women in it that much. I. I'm trying to say this in the nicest way possible. He, his movies don't really involve maternal problems like this or, like, really involve a woman to be in a position like she's in. Like, he doesn't cast powerful women. Well, he well he doesn't have... Well, he, okay, his, he doesn't have powerful woman roles in his movies. The only other one that I can think of is, like, Jessica Chastain and Anne Hathaway in Interstellar. Like, they have pretty powerful roles in that movie. I mean... Again, it's a pretty bad movie from what I can recall, but still. But no, it's not. The women aren't really like not only in like a leading capacity like this, but like I just I just want to talk about like I love her arc in this, like this kind of redemption and like breaking out of the domestic abuse cycle and uh, the way that she actually like becomes an integral part to this, even though she gets dragged into it by John David using her like. Just everything that she emotionally has to go through, her character, what she has to go through. I thought that was a pretty compelling B story to to follow. And honestly, Elizabeth was amazing in this movie. She is such a talented actress. Yeah, I uh, I was really impressed by her. I, don't, I couldn't think of anything I'd seen her in before. And she you, really blew me away in the movie. She was, I, I've only seen her in a handful of movies too. She's, I mean, she's painted in gold in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, okay, I did see her in that then. Yeah, she was one. She was the leader of the of the aliens that were painted gold. Oh, okay. I I don't blame you. You can't recognize her in the makeup. Um, uh, she was also in uh Widows with Viola Davis, and uh, she was in a uh she was in a miniseries with Hugh Laurie and the guy that played Loki called uh the the good uh oh god it was uh the good wife. No, not the not the good wife. Um, oh god, why is that not in her known for? She's known for Everest more than this miniseries. Night Manager, that's what it is. Uh, she's awesome in the Night Manager, uh, which is funny because she's also married to an arms dealer played by Hugh Laurie <laughs> in that yeah. miniseries, too. <laughs> Hugh Laurie and guns and that woman go together. Oh, dude, it was so... Oh, my gosh. If it's on Netflix or something streaming, you should definitely watch... And listeners, you should definitely look out the Night Manager. It is a fantastic miniseries. It was on a AMC a couple years ago. Yeah. So... Who would you cast Nicolas Cage to be in this? Oh, man. I This is one of those that's hard for me because I love everybody in their roles in this movie. Like, I I don't know. It's Who's yours? You, I, I often don't let you say yours first. Who, who, so you go first this time. I'm trying to think of who, because I, I don't know the guy's name, but it's the Middle Eastern guy that was also in, uh, in Inception. He shows up as one of the guys oh, that the guy that... steal the plane. Yeah. I really like him in his role. I like his line um, where he's just like, oh, well, people see my mugshot and they just assume it's a terrorist attack. Like, <laughs> um, that'd be that'd be an interesting role. I I think, no, I, I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to think of, like, the male roles that weren't huge, significant roles in the movie. I say the guy I'm, that rec- I say the guy that recruits the guy that recruits David in the beginning. I think I think he would be really good for that little two minutes, like introducing us and John David into. I get all I can give you is a word and an, a gesture. I think he'd be great as the guy working at the vault that shows uh, uh, the guy that's Batman. 
Robert Pattinson. Shows Robert Pattinson around his bat cave of uh, paintings. I think he'd be great as the guy that works for that art vault thing. That'd be good. <laughs> I'm imagining Nick Cage just going, oh, well, we don't use, we don't use water. We use this carbon dioxide thing that oh, i love i that, love that he's like we don't use water that would ruin everything instead we suck the air out it's like oh wow okay yeah not really messing around there yeah <laughs> oh well don't worry you got 10 seconds to go into this door otherwise you're locked in and jolly well screwed <laughs> yeah pip pip cheerio oh man oh can we uh can we talk all last thing because we kind of glanced over it how awesome was that opening sequence in the the Ukrainian opera house? <laughs> so intense. <laughs> oh my Man, god. Man, that was intense. That that opening sequence is the best action sequence of most people's careers and that's not Christopher Nolan's best. Was that your favorite? But in, it's so good. Was that your favorite in the in the whole movie? Um, I think my favorite was when they were like running back into the building like when they were redoing the opening thing at the airport i think my favorite oh when they're when they're saving when they're trying to save elizabeth yeah yeah when they were doing it in reverse i think that was my favorite because i i really like the hand-to-hand co- combat everything coming together and making sense um oh yeah you said you wanted to talk about the um the the revelation of that being john in the black in the black suit well, not really talk about it. I just wanted to address it. Like, I really liked how they brought the story back full circle. Oh, my God. Yeah. All those little – it was it was a perfect level – it was perfect breadcrumbs because you didn't even realize they were breadcrumbs until the movie told you, oh, yeah, that scene that just happened in passing, yeah, that actually was important. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite was um, as much as I love the opera house sequence, like just just to kick everything off. That that sequence is amazing. Um, I think my favorite was uh, the when they exchanged the piece of the algorithm with the the white or tan car, whatever color that was, driving backwards. That but was pretty good. The, but the second time when it was when you, when you find out that it was John in the car going backwards in time the second time we had that sequence i think was my favorite just because seeing it in the point of view of him driving the car backwards and yeah. then you get the shot of kenneth brana seeing it's him in that car also like oh that was awesome i loved everything about that yeah that's everything i got on this one yeah we didn't take notes during it because we were in a the theater even well, though we also well also you already talked about this movie for 10 minutes before yeah i mean i didn't say spoilers but yeah i already like listeners my initial reaction to this movie is in uh it's in the title i don't remember how many weeks ago it was but it's in the title of a brownie bites episode uh from about a month ago just look around labor day what labor day was september it was somewhere around there yeah yeah it was like early september around september 11th early september super late august yeah yeah or it was no, it was. It was, yeah, it was, like, around September 4th, because I know I saw it, like, right after. I saw it on the last day of the month, actually. I went to an early screening on August 31st. That's right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's neither here nor there. It's a it's a great movie. It's not as best, but still, it's a crystal win movie. It's absolutely worth your time if you feel safe yeah. and your theater is open. So, with that, we're going to take a very brief break, and when we come back, we'll remind you... 
what not bonus content we have for you this week. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, that is it for this exclusive bonus review of Tenet. Hopefully it was worth the wait for you guys. It certainly was worth the wait for me to finally get to talk about spoilers with Nick, since it's been literally a month since I first saw this movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nick, was it worth the wait for you? Yeah, it's pretty worth the wait. Right on. Well, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Isla Murphy and a few gay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for the bumper music in between each segment uh yeah if you guys are listening to this the day it drops uh we just recently dropped reviews of one flew over the cuckoo's nest and unhinged both of those had finally dropped uh also in the coming days if not already just keep an eye out again in your podcatcher we have reviews of a fistful of dollars and the charlie kaufman film i'm thinking of ending things so just yeah we haven't decided what day this is going to drop so that's going to be as big a surprise for you as for us as of this taping so (laughs) so yeah that's why i gave you four titles to look out for so uh but yeah anyway with that nick remind people where they can reach out to us on social media facebook brownie points guide to cinema instagram brownie underscore points underscore guide and twitter at brownie underscore cinema as well as uh, Gmail, Brandy Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. Make sure you send us countdown ideas, Brandy Bites op ed topics you want us to discuss, movie trailers to review, or movies to make sure we go out of our way to review, whether they are in theater, at home, streaming, new releases, or uh, time machines. Also, whatever platform you're listening to us on, make sure that you send us uh, reviews. That is the best way to help us grow. Yes, and as always, we will always be in your ears on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com, Overcast, and all other major podcasting platforms. As I've been saying as well since the pandemic started, there is light at the end of the tunnel. We will get there together if we all just wear a mask, open our ears, open our hearts, wash our hands. It is will get better i promise it's going to get better guys so yeah with that thank you once again for taking the time to listen to us we really appreciate it that is our bonus episode on tenant check back in your podcatcher for all of our other reviews thank you so much everybody we'll catch you on the next time so this is a uh, pretty refreshing because it's a bonus episode. It's our first bonus episode since uh, we did the Star Wars ones over a year ago. And what's great is knowing that we did a bonus episode and there's not another one coming out next week. Yeah, there's not. We don't have to plan eleven of these and then a twelfth one to cap it all off in the theaters. Yeah. Like <laughs> so, so pretty recently on my Facebook memories came up the post that we were sharing of when those episodes came out for the Star Wars ones. And I sent them to Dan and I was like, oh my God, a year ago it just started. And I was like, in four weeks, we're going to see the post where we're just so over having decided to do, to do that. Yeah, you had a, you had a, I mean, we both did, but I could tell you were definitely having a rough routing with it than I was. Yeah. I was like, I was like, why did I say we should do this? Yeah, it's your fault. Don't forget. It was so my fault. <laughs> but we did it. We did it. And we're fine. Oh, it was fun. 
And thankfully, we don't have to do anymore because Star Wars has ended. <laughs> R.I.P. Star Wars. <laughs> My beloved Star Wars is not going on anymore. Ah, uh, well, at least for I don't know. Let's give it ten years. <laughs> With Kathleen Kennedy, more like ten months. Right. You could also um, call it a blank paycheck movie where Warner Brothers just gave him a check and said, do whatever you want, and then they turned away. <laughs> yeah, and then he jerked himself off.